Amen. Wow. Gloss from the past for some of you there, right? Wasn't that beautiful? Amen. Come on, isn't he faithful? Isn't he faithful? 35 years. Happy birthday, Mountain Park Church. And uh, it's so good. Can we praise him? Yeah. Amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you've been in Mountain Park Church for over 30 years, would you raise your hand really quick? 30 years. Over 30 years. Beautiful. Thank you. Make sure I see you. 35 years. Oh, okay, over 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. 20, let's say the 20, 20 years. Over 20 years at Mountain Park Church. Oh, come on. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Beautiful. 15 years. 15 years at Mountain Park Church. There we go. Right on. 10, 10 years. 10 years. 10 years at Mountain Park Church. Right on. Awesome. Five years. Five years you've been at Mountain Park Church. Awesome. One year. You've been at Mountain Park Church for one year. Yeah. Hey. Uh, six months. Six months. Six months. Six months. <laughs> we get the cheap seats. <laughs> well, you know what? So good to be with you this morning. And, uh, you know, for those of you that have been at Mountain Park, you know, 10 years plus, uh, five years plus, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness to be planted in the house because planted people, the scripture says, flourish. And for Mountain Park Church to flourish, we need planted people. And so thank you for being planted uh, in this house. And I pray that this day as we celebrate and we got cake off to church and all these great things that, uh, that you would know that I honor you uh, for being planted in this house. Speaking of birthdays, I know that Abby, Abby, why don't you stand? It's Abby's 18th birthday on, I think it was on Friday. Uh, Abby is Pastor Jan's daughter, and uh, congratulations, we love you. She, she is a rock star for Jesus, and, uh, and you know, I, I called Pastor Jan on Friday, I said, congratulations, man, you have an 18-year-old. How do you feel? Do you feel old? And <laughs> I, said, I said, man, you did a great job raising Abby. And so he's got six kids. He's got five more to go to get to 18. <laughs> so he's going to write a book. It's coming out soon, How to Raise Godly Kids. Amen. And so we, we celebrate you, Abby. You're, you're awesome. Hey, a lot of great things happening at church. And so I just want to highlight a few things. Uh, lead is coming up in, on the 22nd, Saturday the 22nd. So if you're a leader at Mount Park, you want to be a leader, you serve, you represent the church in different ministries, please sign up because we're having lunch catered and we need to know who you are and it's going to be a great morning of learning what does it mean to be a leader at Mountain Park and what are the expectations and what is the heart of Jesus in leadership and we're so excited for this. And then Art of Marriage, Couples, Art of Marriage is coming up November 4th to 5th and I want to challenge you, come on, you need to be there. Well, my marriage is great. Well, you know what, can be better. And so Art of Marriage is a great Friday night and Saturday morning, afternoon, like a conference. And what we do is literally you take nine weeks of classes and it's combined into a two-week experience. And I've, I've done these at a few churches and I've seen life changes in couples. And so uh, make sure that you sign and check that out. And then Medical Missions team is meeting after the second service. If you want to go to Honduras, uh, you're, you're in the medical field, then this trip is for you. It's after second service today. So a lot of, lot of great things uh, going on at Mountain Park Church. Well, this morning, we're continuing our series, The Inside Story. How many of you are enjoying this series? Yeah, it's been fun. Alyssa kicked us off talking about Anna and trusting God, and then 
Last week I spoke about Joseph and the power of forgiveness and uh, it was uh, just so powerful to see so many of you writing the cards out saying, man, I need to forgive myself of this, this thing in my life that I've held on to and I need to forgive others because, you know, unforgiveness is, it, it, it causes a root of bitterness in your heart and it, it robs you from what God has for your life. But when you allow forgiveness to flow, you don't just set that person free or, or you set yourself free. You set yourself free when you let things go and it's, it's so powerful. Today... I'm going to jump into uh, uh, to 12 guys we're going to look at in, in the scripture today, and it's a, it's a fun passage, and so we're going to jump right into it uh, in the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 13, and I'm going to read quite a few verses today to really set up uh, the story and where I want to go with it. Uh, so Numbers chapter 13, verse 17, then Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so what Moses is doing is, uh, Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. They've, uh, they were in captivity. There was, he led them out, and we know the story of the plagues. You can go read it in the Bible. And uh, God used Moses to lead them out. They crossed over the Red Sea, and he's taken them to a promised land. And, in, and they're on the outskirts of the land, and Moses says, hey, I need to send out 12 spies to go out and to go look at the land. What is the land like? Is it everything that God said it would be? And, and, and go and see, are there cities, or are there little camps, or are there forests? Is the vegetation great? And then do me, he said, Moses, do me a favor, bring back some of the fruit that you see. And the season that they go out was the season of the first ripe grapes. Numbers chapter 13, verse 23, it says, And then they came to the valley of Ishkol, and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two of them on a pole. And so they cut down these clusters, these grapes were huge, and they put it on a pole, and they, they're going to carry these grapes back to Moses. We jump to verse 26. And now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Perin at the Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us and it truly does flow with milk and honey and, it, and this is its fruit. They said, look at these grapes. And everybody said, wow, it's amazing. Somebody's getting excited, but then verse 28, nevertheless, hang on, don't get too excited, slow down. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. More, moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Am Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, every ite dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. But then Caleb jumps up and he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But 
The men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in, in it are men of great stature. We saw giants. The descendants of Anak became from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. So interesting. Moses is hanging on to a promise of God. And he sends out his spies to see, and they, they bring back this incredible fruit, this cluster of grapes. Those look great. My wife painted those. Good job, babe. They bring back these cluster of grapes, and everybody's like, ooh, wow, that is the best grapes we've ever seen. In fact, if you, do, if you go and study Palestine, it's one of the most fertile lands for grapes. Grapes was a sign of prosperity, a sign of grapes. Wine comes from grapes. Wine symbolically in the Bible speaks of, of newness and anointing, the new thing God wants to do. And so they bring back these grapes, and the people are like, wow, it must be true. God said the land flows with milk and honey, and, and, and here we are. This is amazing. Look at the grapes. Wow. But then what happens? Ten of the, ten of the spies are like, Yes, there's grapes, and look, it's amazing. You can touch it. You can feel it. But let me tell you, let me tell you what? Let me tell you about the giants. Oh, there are Hittites and Canaanites and Jebusites and ites we haven't even heard of. And they're so big, and we're like little grasshoppers in the eyes. And they look down, and they look, oh, cute little grasshopper. Where they devour us, and they're so big. And what happens? The report begins to go amongst the people. And they be, instead of looking at the grapes in front of them, what do they do? They listen to the fables and the stories of the giants. And the report begins to go amongst the people. And what do they begin to say? We can't go into that land. They're going to conquer us. They'll defeat us. They're bigger than us. And so they begin to get comfortable. No, no, that's not for us. Let's just stay here. Let's just live, let's live in fear. We Moses, we're in, you know, let's just go back to Egypt. It was better there. Did you lead us all the way here to die? Why, were, why was Caleb so excited? He literally jumps up and says, come on, let's go now. It's on like Donkey Kong. Look at the grapes. Let's go. Why was Caleb so excited? I want to talk to you today about what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking at grapes? Or are you looking at giants? What are you looking at? You see, Caleb was excited because Caleb knew that God was a covenant God. You know, covenant is a word that we don't talk about in church a lot. What is a covenant? Covenant is an agreement. In the Bible, a divine covenant, and there's five covenants in the Bible, a covenant is where God made an agreement with humanity, and God said, I will seal it. I will what? Bind myself to that covenant, and I will make sure that that covenant will happen. 
I will fulfill a covenant. And all you have to do is what? Keep your eyes and your heart set on me. I will do all the work. All you have to do is worship me. Follow me. Trust me. In fact, if you'll go and read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, the Lord appears to Moses at the burning bush, and this is what he says to Moses. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. God saw the pain. I love that about God. God sees pain. He knows what we're going through. It's not that he doesn't care. He saw the pain of his people in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. I love that. God hears when we cry out to him. Because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, all the ites. God's calling Moses. He's run because he killed an Egyptian. And God says, come on, time to lead my people. I've seen the oppression. I've heard their cries. And I want to what? Fulfill my covenant. You see, what God was saying right here to Moses was, I haven't forgot the covenant I made with Abraham. See, the first covenant was the Abrahamic covenant where God said to Abraham, what am I going to do? He says, I'm going to give you a land. And then I'm going to give you descendants, and then I'm going to bless you. We call that the Abrahamic covenant. God said to Abraham, hey, I'm going to what? Give you a land. I'm going to do what? Give you descendants, and I'm going to what? Bless you. And he reminds, God reminds Moses, and he says, I've seen my people. I remember the covenant I made to them, and what am I going to do now? I am God. I'm going to lead them to the promised land. Joshua and Caleb knew this covenant. We then get from the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Mosaic covenant of Mount Sinai where God gave the 10 commandments. And God literally was saying to Israel, hey, I haven't forgotten the, the promise of a new land, the promised land. And he says, yes, what I'm doing, I'm giving you the law now, and the law is what? To shape your hearts when you get to the promised land, that you'd be my people. You see, throughout the Old Testament, you'll see, and a lot of people say, hey, the Old Testament is irrelevant. No, my friend, the Old Testament is the word of God. In the Old Testament, you'll read over and over and over again, God saying this, I will be their God and they will be my people. God was literally saying, I am God, you're not, you need me and I want you. And so Caleb remembers this. He remembers the covenant. He stops and literally says, God said that he would give us the land with milk and honey, the land where these grapes come from. I want to tell you something. It's not that Caleb and Joshua didn't see giants. It's not like they walked into the, into the, into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, into the promised land and said, I don't see no giants. I don't see no giants. No, 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 they're not there. They're not there. Let's pretend they're not there. They're not there. No, they saw the giants. But their focus was not like the 10 other spies. Their focus was not the giants. Their focus was the promise and the covenant of God. You see, you say, well, what's this got to do with me today? It's got something to do with this. In life, you're going to have giants. But you also have promises. You also have God's word. You've got to choose what you're going to look at. 
You're going to choose. That's how, you remember the old song? Some of you now, you remember this from 30 years ago. I remember when I was a teenager. You know, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? And we will believe the report of the Lord. That's why I'm not on the worship team. <laughs> Should I have DeAndre come out and bust that out for us? <laughs> Whose report will you believe? Will you believe the report of the 10 spies? and miss out on what God has, or you're gonna believe the report. Isn't it interesting? They could touch the grapes. They could take a bite of the grapes, but they went on what other people said. But the very evidence of God's promise was in front of them. We have God's promise in front of us. The question is, grapes or giants? Grapes or giants? You see, in life, you're gonna face giants of fear. You can't do that. You're gonna have giants that accuse you. <laughs> you're the greatest sinner. Who are you? Who are you to believe God for big things? You should just be happy that you're going to heaven. You're not good enough. You've never lived up to your full potential. You don't have enough resources to start that. You don't have enough faith to do this. See, in life, there will always be giants that'll come against you. So Paul writes in Ephesians chapter six, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. What is Paul saying to us? He says, well, you wake up Christian that in life there is an enemy and he is real and he is against every promise that God has for your life. But yes, the good news today, we don't just have the Abrahamic or Mosaic covenant to rely on, we have the new covenant. We have the new covenant. And you say, what is the new covenant? The new covenant is, is built on better promises. The new covenant was mediated by Jesus. You see, in the new covenant, you say, well, what is the difference? The new covenant is this. Our sins are not covered as in the old covenant. In the old covenant, you would have to have animal sacrifices because the blood had to cover the sin. In the new covenant, Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed that you and I, our sins are not covered. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. And because of Jesus paying the price of our sin, we now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We now become his temple, and now the third promise, is, the second part of the covenant is this. We're not just forgiven, we now have what? Our internal, our hearts are made whole. Yes. Our hearts are whole. We're forgiven, we are redeemed, and we are restored to relationship. And all this because of the new covenant. And then the greatest thing of the new covenant is Jesus said, now, when he, these last things he said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to the Father, but I'll send my spirit, the Holy Spirit. The, the greatest part of the new covenant is we have the Holy Spirit in our lives who now teaches us the word of God. In the new covenant, you can have greater revelation of who God is because the spirit of God is in your life. You're not alone. Yes. He's with you. The new covenant. Well, let me, let me unpack this for you really quickly. Why this is so important with a couple of verses today. Let's jump to Ephesians chapter two, verse 12. Paul writes this. Remember that 
at that time, you were separated from Christ. This is, this is before you came to that moment of, I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Before you came to Jesus, you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. Says you are foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Paul starts by saying, hey, just remember this. Before you came to Jesus, before you invited him to your life, you were a foreigner, you were a sinner, and you were outside the covenant promises of God. Let's jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. We know this is the Last Supper. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my, what? My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. When we partake of communion and we hold the juice, we are remembering that that juice is symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you could not have the new covenant, you could not have forgiveness, you could not be internally made whole, you could not have the spirit of God in your life without the blood of Jesus Christ being shed. It's his blood that sealed the covenant. Remember, covenant is what? Covenant is God's agreement with us and God's commitment to fulfill that agreement. And all he's saying to us is just come to me. Turn your heart to me and I will do the rest. So Jesus at the Last Supper is saying, my blood that I'm gonna shed is the payment for the new covenant. Let's go to Hebrews chapter nine, verse 13 to 15. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. Again, that's the Old Testament. If you, your sin, how did you deal with sin? There had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a shedding of blood. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your consciousness from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator, Jesus, of the new covenant. By means of death for the redemption of transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. He literally said, I will pay the price for your sin, for your brokenness, for your wandering, and through me. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me is what Jesus said. We receive now, as we receive Jesus, and we acknowledge that by his blood, his death on the cross, my sins are forgiven and removed. I now am restored to a covenant relationship with God through Jesus. I now have, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but while I'm on earth, I am a child of God. We say, well, why is that so important? Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. I'm gonna read it out of the message. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Can I read that again? Whatever God has promised. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes in Jesus. But, but why? Because he is the mediator of a new covenant, yes. which means he paid the price for that covenant. Yes. He restored me to sonship. I'm a child of God. 
So now when I read the promises of God in the Bible, I can say, God, this promise is mine. Why? Because Jesus mediated a new covenant and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And therefore, when I read this promise in the Bible, it is yes and amen. It is mine. Why? Because of Jesus. Not because I'm a good Christian. Not because I pray 30 hours a week. Not because I read the whole Bible in a month. All those things are good, but they don't earn you salvation. They don't earn you the blessing of the new covenant. You just have to turn your heart to Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us making a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. See, just like Caleb, you and I, when the, when the giants are talking, oh, I'm gonna get you, you're not gonna make it, you're a failure, you're no good, you're gonna always struggle, you'll never get victory in your life, your marriage will never change, your kids will never change, you're a bad parent, the giants keep talking in your life, you have a choice to say, am I gonna be led by the voices and the opinions of the enemy, or am I gonna look at the promises of what God says in my life, where he says, you're more than a conqueror. Where he says, I'll work all things out for you. See, what are you gonna listen to? Giants or the promises and the grapes? Caleb said this, Joshua said this. Later we read in the life of Joshua, I think it's in chapter 27, Joshua said this. As for me and my house, guess what? We're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna serve the Lord. We ain't bowing down. We're not worshiping giants and far. No, 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 we're serving the Lord. You got a choice. Grapes or giants? Grapes or giants? Be like Caleb. I'm a child of the living God. God is for me, not against me. If God is for me, who shall I fear? God said it in his word. He will do it. I might have to wait on it. I might need to let him work some perseverance in me a little patience in me. There might be some things that he's trying to work out of me. But guess what? His word will never fail. The Bible actually says God's word will never return to him void. It will accomplish the thing it's sent forth to do. So how do we, how do we respond to giants? I wanna give you three things. Three things today. How do we respond to giants? Pastor, I've got some giants in my life right now. I got some voices telling me I'm not gonna make it. I got some voices telling me I'm a failure. I got some voices, hey, I got the voices of the past telling me how bad and all the mess I've done. And yes, the good news today, Jesus wants to give you life and life abundantly. John 10 verse 10, life and life abundantly is what he wants to give you. God wants to work it out, but you gotta respond and say, you know what, giants, I'm gonna respond to you by number one what? I respond by faith in God. Joshua had to respond in Joshua chapter one, verse three to five. Listen to this. God says to Joshua, he's getting ready now after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Joshua is getting ready to lead them into the land of milk and honey and the, the land of these grapes. And God says to Joshua, every place that your sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. 
as I said to Moses. In fact, he should have backed up and said, as I said all the way back to Abraham, I have a land for you. A land of milk and honey. God says to him, I've said it all along, I'm going to do it. Now I'm telling you, Joshua, every place your foot goes, I'm going to give it to you. From the wilderness until this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Listen to verse 5. And no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Don't those words sound familiar in Matthew 28? I will never, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. The last words of Jesus to his disciples. Not just his disciples, to us. Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. How do I respond to giants? By faith. Faith is what? Saying fear, I'm not listening to you anymore. Faith is what? Hebrews chapter, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Faith is me beginning to say, giants, let me tell you what God says. Faith is God, I don't know how. I don't think Joshua had a battle plan in his mind saying, you know what, the Canaanites, I'm gonna deal with them this way. The Hephatites, I'm gonna deal with the Jebusites, boom, boom. No, 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 he just knew this. God has won the victory. The battle is the Lord's. My job is to what? Keep the promises of God in focus. That's faith. God, I'm standing on your word. Whose report will you believe? Come on, I pray at Mountain Park Church. We will believe the report of the Lord. We will believe the report of the Lord. Well, pastor, don't you see the economy? Don't you see all this political mumble jumble going on? I don't even watch it anymore. I just know this. Revelations, we win. How do we respond to giants? By faith. Number two, how do we respond to giants? By meditating on his word. Yes. Meditating on his word. God first says to Joshua in verse three and five, every place you go, I'm gonna give to you. No man, be afraid of no man. No man will come against you. Why? Because I, God, have got the victory. I've got the battle. Then he goes to verse eight and he says to this, this book in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, this book, the law, the book of the law shall not depart your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate in it day and night that you may what? Observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then, as you do what? As you meditate on this word, as you're reading the word, as you're studying the word, as the word is going from here into here and it's elevating your faith and you don't stray from it. What does God say? For then what? You will make your way what? Prosperous. And then you will what? Have good success. For I have not commanded you to be strong and with good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Number one, how did he respond to giants? By faith and not fear. I'm believing the promises of God. Second thing that Joshua had to do was to what? Meditate on God's word. Why? Because all around him were people that were in fear. Oh, Joshua, we're going into the land. 
They're the giants. I told you the giants. We shouldn't have followed you, Joshua. He could have had all the reports and negativity around him. But if he meditated on the law, he meditated on the Abrahamic covenant, Mosaic covenant, as he reflected on Moses' faithfulness, what is he beginning to say? He is focused on the promises of God. See, we spend more time on social media than the word of God. We listen to more podcasts and other preachers, which nothing wrong with that, than opening up the book and letting the teacher, the Holy Spirit, teach us the Word of God. Well, Pastor, I know where you're going right now. Yeah, I'm going there. It's called the Life Journal. <laughs> Why do I want you in the Life Journal? Right now, 20% of our church has bought the Life Journal. I'm so excited. 20% of our church, if you bought one, get into it. If you're doing one day a week, it's 52 days. Come on. Two days a week is 104 days a year. What are you doing as you get into the Word of God? You are what? Meditating on what God says because the world is pushing into your mind fear. It's pushing bow down. It's worship us. Hey, don't go to church on Sunday. It's okay. It's pushing all these things about your marriage. The world is trying to pollute what God has put in you. And that's why you need to meditate so you can remember the promises. See, when the giants come and tell you, oh, man, you're not going to make it. No, 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 no. Philippians chapter 4, giant tells me what? I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I'm responding in the word because I've meditated. I want to encourage you, get in the life journal. So how do I, how do I deal with the giants? Faith in my God. My faith is not in myself. My faith is in God. He's a faithful, good God. I'm, I'm, how do I deal with the giants? I'm meditating. I'm telling when the, when the giants tell me what they're saying, I say, hey, let me tell you what God says. Let me tell you what his word says. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter six, it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And then he talks about the word of God being what? The sword of the spirit. The word of God is the sword. It's the only weapon the Bible says that you and I have against the enemies of this world, against the spiritual powers. It's the word of God. That's why, you know, some of us, our sword has been on a bookshelf for like three or four years. We haven't taken our sword down. And then we're looking, why are we getting so beat up? Why are we getting so challenged? Why are we up and down as Christians because the giants are not gonna stop. You gotta put the giants in its place. You gotta tell your giant, let me tell you what God says. And number three, we're gonna declare his promise. I overcome giants by declaring his promise. Let me tell you, let me say this to you. Quit telling God how big your giant is. Tell your giant how big your God is. Oh God, I don't know if I'm gonna get through this. Oh God, it's so hard, oh God. No, 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 giant, let me tell you about how big my God is. This giant will never be bigger than the God inside of you. That giant will never be bigger than the God inside of you. Well, pastor, I just don't know. That just sounds so radical. It just sounds so, oh man, you're preaching hard today. Never seen you like this before. <laughs> Can I tell you why? Because I'm tired of the giants running rampant in your life, in your marriage, in your kids, in your home. 
You're just letting the giants run around and you're listening to everybody's opinion and the last one you're listening to, you come, then you come to church on a Sunday and, oh God, I need you today. The problems are so big. Come on, get into the battle. This is a battleship, not a cruise ship. The giants are real, but your God is bigger. Caleb said, let's go at once. Why? Because he's a covenant God. If he said he's gonna do it, He's gonna do it. All the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's time for you and me to get into the word of God and to begin to meditate on some promises. Pastor, how do I do that? Just go to Google. <laughs> promises for marriage, verses. Yes, 32 verses on how to have a godly marriage. I don't know if I can make it verses on finances and God. Boom, we have the internet, it's so easy. Get the verses, then open your Bible to make sure it is in your Bible. <laughs> Highlight it in your Bible. Put tabs in your Bible. So the next time he comes and he says, hey, 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 guess what day it is? It's Groundhog's Day. I'm not gonna tell you how bad you are and you're not gonna make it. Not today. I'm not listening to your report. In fact, you know what I did? I didn't bring a pea shooter to this battle. I brought the word of God. Let me tell you what he says. You know what happens? The giants begin to tumble in your life. Not because of how good you are, simply because you were willing to trust God. You're remembering in scripture where God said, I will be your God. You shall be my people. My people just come to me with, well, Pastor Charlton, my life's not that great. It's okay. He just wants you to come. He wants you to let him be God in your life. So what will you look at today? Grapes? All the promises are yes and amen. Grapes? Or giants? Mountain Park Church, as we move 35 years, as we move into this next year, we're gonna have some giants. The enemy's not happy about this church. He's not happy this church is 35 years old. He's trying to take this church out, split this church, bring in pain and hurt and disappointment. What are we gonna do? Look back at the past, at the giants? Or look at the grapes and say, behold, the Lord says, today I do a new thing. I do a new thing. I'm, you know what, I'm not looking for old wine, because old wine stay in old wine skins, the Bible says. God puts new wine and new move and new work in new wineskins. The wineskins is us, the church. And we have a decision to make, giants or grapes. Let's be a church that says, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna take a moment to worship because God has been so good to us. And in this moment, if there's been giants that have been kicking your butt, it's time for you to tell the giant, he's my God. My God is bigger. We sang it earlier, my God is stronger. We need that firm foundation this morning. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. It's got better promises. Yes and amen. All I have to do is come to him, say thank you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash my life clean. Fill me with your spirit, God. Teach me your word, your promises. 
Renew my mind. Renew my heart. In Jesus' name. Let's worship together.